Welcome to Identity Matters Podcast. Hi, my name is Steve Finney, and I will be your speaker today. Every believer needs to understand who they are in Christ. In our series, Identity Theft, we'll do just that. Help each believer truly know who they are in Christ. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to the Identity Matters Podcast. We have been kind of enjoying a series called Betrayal, the Kiss of Judas. It's just not a very fun topic. Even our congregation here locally is shrinking by the week. The fact is it's a very, very difficult topic to sit and listen to. Most people, when they sit and listen to a sermon, they're hoping that it's so empowered by encouragement and positive things that when they walk away from the, the sermon that they feel better. Well, that's probably not going to happen for a little while with this particular series because we're dealing with one of the most difficult topics that the Bible presents us in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and that is the issue of betrayal. I always like to give my bottom line identity matters statement. It is this. My primary objective is to equip individuals through the believer's identity in Christ. All based on the message of identification with Christ in his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. And what that is really saying is that we are sharing, coexisting in the respects of the death of Jesus Christ. We have been crucified with him. We were buried with him according to Romans 6.3. And then we were resurrected with him. We ascended with him, Colossians 3. And we were seated at the right hand of the Most High. That happens on the day of your salvation. It doesn't happen someday when you get on the other side. It happens the moment you receive Christ into your mortal body. My passion is to deliver this message to a worldwide audience by making use of the internet, live presentations, writing, podcasting, and through the effective use of media. Some people don't understand the power of the internet. Then there's others who use it quite effectively. They understand that, earthly speaking, there's a great power. In fact, I read this week as I was doing more self-learning on how to manage some of the codes that are used on the internet. And I learned something very powerful is that the world of science and technology, which is most people nowadays, consider the internet the most powerful thing that has ever happened to humanity. 
Well, that certainly got my interest because the most powerful thing that ever happened to humanity was Jesus Christ arriving in the form of a baby. Grew up as a boy, went through his teenage years as a normal Hebrew teenager, which, by the way, the Hebrews refused to use the term teenager, because you go from childhood, 12, to adulthood. Do you realize that the average age today, 28 years of age, that this generation are still acting as if they are seven. The toys they have have just gotten more expensive. Their attitude is no different. Their form of communication is no different. The educational level and respects of what we would expect out of a 14-year-old when we were back in the 1700s and you put a 14-year-old today up against that 14-year-old, that generation would look at that 14-year-old and say, you are the most rude person I have ever met and disrespectful. The difference in culture between a 14-year-old from 1700s to 2017 will actually bend your mind. You see, when you're in a pot and you're slowly being boiled one degree at a time, the frog in the pot does not jump out because they don't know they're being boiled to death. That is our young people today. They have absolutely no clue the trouble that they're in. Now the generation that we just came out of, most of us survived. A lot of us are even thinking right now, well, I went through public school, I went through the 60s, I went through the 70s, and I turned out okay, and to that I say, I doubt it. I doubt you're okay. I doubt you're okay if you're attending church and you're keeping that little spot in your pew warm. I doubt it. I doubt your Christianity is full indwelt Christianity responding to the Holy Spirit within you as the Holy Spirit moves within you. I think you might be a Christ follower. But I don't think you understand the power of the release of the Spirit that is within you. And you think these ears are going to catch it? Why is it that a 14-year-old back in the 1700s was extremely responsible? They had already established their part in the family business. They're already working and contributing to the family income. Do you know how the immigrants survived in the United States of America when they started coming over? And this is why they had to change the American industrial laws is because of what I'm about to tell you. Because six-year-olds were in factories working to put their money. This is simply in the 1800s to put their money in the family bucket just to survive. 
And what happened is America had to evaluate this problem that we had, and they had to come up with industrial laws. And at that time, industrial laws were approved and put into motion. And now they could not even apply for a job until they were 16 years of age. At 14 years of age, they could have jobs, but it had to be with parental consent. At 16 years of age, you did not have to have parental consent, nor do you today, for one reason. At 16 years of age back then, they were well into their adulthood. 13, 14, 15, 16. Four years into already being a successful laborer. You put your 14-year-old up here today, and they may be doing good if they can make money on doing errands for mommy. They have no clue how to be responsible. So when we do meet one from time to time, we are blessed and refreshed. And we say stuff like, that kid is just a hard worker. That kid is responsible. That kid is, in the reality, they're being normal. So when Jesus was going through his teenage years, listen very carefully, youth, who might be listening to this podcast, even if your mommy and your daddy are forcing you to listen, they shouldn't have to. You should be passionately drawn to truth, not forced to hear it. Because if you are sitting there right now and you are being forced to listen to truth, you're not going to make it. There is nothing you could say to me to prove to me that you're going to make it in your 20s. You will not. Does that mean Christ cannot get a hold of you? Yes, he can. Can he transform you before you hit 24? Yes, he can. But what are the odds of him doing that? You might want to do some research on this generation. Because if you think that Christ is just going to automatically answer your prayers, mommy, or answer your prayers, daddy, you're going to set him up to be a failure. Because he will not. The generation that we are faced with, Generation Z, is going to be the most kickback, lazy generation the world has ever seen. For Christ to go through his teen years and working side by side with his daddy, Joseph, not God. Are you with me? He was not released as a son to his heavenly father until he was 30 years old. Up to that time, guess who he took his orders from? Joseph. Why was he released at 30 years of age? One, it's in prophecy. But two, earthly speaking, is that Jesus could not serve two masters. Joseph had to die. And he did. That's why you never hear about him in Jesus' ministry. 
That's why his mother was always with him, because he was responsible for her. Nowadays, you have the kid out in in a separate country, mom's back living off of social welfare, trying to figure out how she's going to get the next meal on her table, while her children are off running the world being successful. There's something wrong with you, young people. 602-292-2982 You do not understand the opposite of betrayal. Betrayal is forsaking those you love. Just like Judas did. Last week, we talked about gossip and betrayal actually being a grievous sin. There's a difference between sin and grievous sin. Grievous sin is a sin that is committed that causes great, deep grief for a familiar family member. A grievous sin is a sin that is committed that causes great, deep grief for a family member. Your mother, your brother, your sister, your father, or whoever it may be. That's a grievous sin. Betrayal is that grievous sin. We also talked about when we have to deal with someone of betrayal, and many times we're forced to. I was again this week. The Lord wants us to handle them with gentleness. This person expected complete disappointment and detachment from me when they made the grievous announcement that they will no longer be associating with me and then listed out the way they will no longer associate. Someone I am quite close to, supposedly. But the Lord said, answer gently. And it wasn't a fake thing. It lined up in me as soon as I heard the Lord say it. When the text came in, soon as the Lord said it, I was released to have a dialogue over the next two hours through text on a light-hearted, gentle fashion. The next point we talked about is you can't reconcile with an unsaved person, and 90% of all the betrayers that are out there today are unsaved. So don't even expect any kind of reconciliation, because you can't reconcile with an unsaved person. Reconciliation is not saying, I'm sorry. In fact, sorry is communicating, I am crying and weeping and moaning over what happened. Those are the definitions in the Greek for sorrow. So when you say I'm sorry to someone, you're lying. Unless you're crying and weeping and moaning and groaning while you are saying I am sorry for what I did to you. You're lying. That's why it's always best because emotions may not be communicating sorrow. The actual best communication is, I was wrong. Would you please forgive me? An unsaved person can't forgive you because the life of Christ doesn't live inside them for them for the life of Christ to express the forgiveness. 
I don't know what you're asking for back because whatever they're going to give you is dead to Christ. True forgiveness can only be released in another believer. And when they say, I forgive you, they're releasing that Christ forgives through them. And that is true reconciliation. So an unsaved person simply can't reconcile. The last thing that we talked about last week is it's literally impossible to end gossip. You think that you are doing what you're doing to try to end the gossip. You might as well hang that up because you're not going to accomplish your goal. Gossips will gossip until they die. Now, the only way to actually stop a gossiper is through repentance. That the gossiper has this unbelievable wake-up call. And they repent before the living God, not before you. That comes later. They repent before the living God for destroying people's lives for all the years that they did. Then they have a transformation in Christ Jesus. Then when they come to you, if a disciple asks you to go to them and reconcile with them, you got some real juice. But if you don't have the life of Christ, you will gossip until you die. And some even believe in the Christian world that God will help that process. He'll create crisis after crisis to wind you down to a confession. And if you're an indwell gossiper, it's the worst kind. Because Paul, Christ, through Paul, communicated to us, for we are without excuse. We're the last people that should be betraying others. So that is where I get, if someone is betraying me, I put their name on a little list that's either in my mind or on my desk because I'm in contact with so many people. I literally have this file that I keep on my desktop of these people communicating with me from all over the world and they say the craziest things about Christ and I need to take the time to address them And guess what list they go on? Probably not saved. Because they handle Jesus like he is a a high-class leather bag to put stuff into. The idea of Christ being in them doing these things. So I have a whole list. I showed Shannon these auto emails I have designed, and it's a pretty long list. And I just pick the one according to a situation. And I do an auto reply to that person. And a lot of times it's asking them another question like, could you please explain to me what it means to have the indwelling life of Jesus? I'm telling you some of the answers I get. I first try to blame it on the language bearer. But that doesn't always work. You guys know me well enough that I just do not assume that anyone I'm talking to who calls himself an indwelt believer, a true Christian is the term they use, I just don't believe them. 
I can be insultive if I say that to them, and it usually takes a process for me to get to that point of saying, I truly do not believe that you are indwelt by the life of Christ. It is a deduction process I've taken you through over the last month. So I have all the proof. Saved emails. Now, someone who is completely enveloped in the idea of being a true Christian, typically it's based on those two elements. I read my Bible and I go to church. Well, I'm afraid neither one of those are going to give you any credit or extra credit. Satan reads the Bible and Satan goes to church. You all know that. He is a very religious being who collects religion like certain people collect fruit for their smoothies. And he drinks it. He is well pleased with all of the religions that are in the world so he can mix it up and enjoy that drink. Whereas the drink that Christ drinks is singular. And that's the spirit that happens to be the one in possession of all of the fruit of the Spirit. It's a person. Before we get too far into the message, let's talk about our book of the week. This is by Watchman Nee, Changed Into His Likeness. Fits very well with what we've just been talking about. You can go to our website at www iomamerica.org and you just kind of mouse over to the resource drop down menu and you will see there book of the week click on book of the week and you'll see this little ad for Watchman Nee changed into his likeness the book is basically about that now back in Watchman Nee's generation which was late 40s and early 50s The term that was going around through the church is to be Christ-like, right? Congratulations, enemy. You've done a well-purposed, deceiving thing by placing that in the church because the majority of the church today is trying to be Christ-like and not releasing Christ to be in his own likeness. He probably would put it a different title because Watchmini taught the opposite of this title. That the likeness of Christ has to be released, which is the title of one of his books, Release of the Spirit. Let's talk about our scripture for today. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 10 through 16. For to us... Worthy us, okay? For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except for the Spirit of the man that is within him? Even so, the thoughts of God, no one knows except for the Spirit of God. Now we, that, that's us. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, 
but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know, we may know the things freely given to us by God. Which things we also speak, not words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. A natural man is saved or unsaved. And that's how you can read it. But an unsaved man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. You may be seated. Now this is one of those passages that probably blow over the heads of most people who read it. I want to show you a very simple principle that I live by day in and day out. For to us. So I put my name in there when I'm being ministered to by the Lord. For to Stephen. God revealed them, and the them in your Bible should be italicized. Is it not? It is italicized for one single reason. Because in the Greek, it means who is standing in front of you. It's the other. So for us, to Stephen, God revealed them, the person standing in front of you the person you're praying about, the person who might be in Russia, but I'm getting an email from. That's the them. They don't have to be in your physical presence. It's the them that is being addressed by the Spirit of God. So if I think that I can figure out what this person is thinking, then I am the one in error. What is being revealed to us here, for it's the Spirit. You see, the Spirit lives inside me if I'm an indwelt believer. The Spirit searches all things. So if I'm in a phone conversation, text conversation, or email conversation, I simply ask the Spirit to search out their lives. Now see, the Spirit does not have to get on a jet and fly to Russia and Google them to find out where they're living and then walk in that room and all of a sudden the person confesses all of this stuff to the Spirit. No, the Spirit is there and in me all at the same time and also in you. And if God wants to search out their hearts and their minds and gather the data that is real, that is really going on in that person's life, this passage is saying that the Spirit can actually make that known to us believers, into all believers, inside of us. 
He will reveal it to us. So it's no master's or doctorate degree in psychobabble to try to figure out people's minds. It just simply is waiting on the Spirit to see what data is coming in after the Spirit searched their hearts and minds in Russia. It's pretty simple stuff, but I know it just went over your head. Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except for the Spirit of God. Well, the Spirit of God is living in the indwelt believers. It's the Spirit of God that actually searches out the depths of God's own mind. So when you talk about being in line with God the Father, being in line with the mind of Christ, this is how it happens. It's not studying the scriptures and go, I'm reading this, that must be what's in Christ's mind. I'm reading this, that must be what's in the Father's mind. And you're writing it in your journal. It's too much work. The Spirit of God knows the depths of God. And the Spirit of God can give that to you freely without a master's degree in theology. This is part A. been listening to Identity Matters Podcast. We appreciate having you join us today. Feel free to log on to our website at www.iomamerica.org. We have lots of resources available for you on the believer's identity in Christ. Again, thank you for joining us.